the game is over and you want more. When the news breaks and you want more. When you wake up and you want more. It's highlights, it's breakdowns, it's analysis, it's opinion, it's curbside reaction. Your next day post-game podcast and it starts now. Well, it was a tough one yesterday afternoon for the St. Louis Blues as they fell to the Nashville Predators by a score of 5-2, to two, which now puts their record after the first two games of this four-game homestand at 1-1. One and one. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Kerber, and welcome into Curbside Reaction, your next-day post-game podcast featuring everything St. Louis Blues. Changing it up just a little bit in terms of the format today, but you know what? The St. Louis Blues yesterday had an opportunity to increase their point lead over the Nashville Predators and the teams chasing them for a wild card spot to six points. It didn't happen. The Nashville Predators got another decisive win against the Blues, their second such win at Enterprise Center this season, and the Predators now sit just two points behind St. Louis. And the race is even tighter. Now, these two teams are going to meet one more time this season. They're going to meet on April 4th in Nashville. And that game could have a monster meaning, depending on how the games go between now and then for both the Blues and the Predators. It was a game that had a lot. It saw the Blues score a five-on-three goal. It saw the Blues miss other opportunities on the power play. Jake Neighbors was given a penalty shot. He didn't score on it. But the St. Louis Blues weren't able to capitalize on any momentum off the remaining power play time that was still on the board. And by the way, speaking of Jake Neighbors, you've got to love the fact that after a game, despite being just 21 years of age and in his first full season in the National Hockey League, you've got to love the fact that Jake Neighbors can stand up in front of the media, articulate what he wants to say, say the right things as if he's a veteran player. So much of Jake at a young age reminds me of when Barrett Jackman was a young player in the National Hockey League. Says the right things, but also is just real blunt about performances. As a matter of fact, listen to what he said about his penalty shot. That was pathetic. Bad. Really bad. Knew my move. Yeah, I knew my move. I just stuck to it and didn't evaluate at all going down the ice. And it's just, you know, that ties the game. So I got to put a better, better effort into scoring that one. Now that's just a player taking it on himself, feeling responsible for the way things went and saying, I just have to do a better job on that. And you've got to love that self-accountability that Jake Neighbor puts himself in. There is so much to like about young Jake Neighbors, who's approaching 20 goals and could hit and should hit 20 goals this season. Just all in all, a heck of a good first full season in the National Hockey League for Jake Neighbors. You can hear other young guys that don't talk as well as he does, that don't seem to just be quite as uh, in tune with the process as he is. You've got to be really happy with what you see from Jake Neighbors. All right, the St. Louis Blues fell to the Predators by a score of 5-3. to It'd be Ryan O'Reilly getting the eventual empty net goal. In the end, let's get you to the highlights. Here's Cairo. Gives it up in a hurry. The Blues turn it over again. Shot score! Sissons capitalizes on the turnover from the exchange of Kairu to Butchnevich. And the St. Louis Blues give up the first goal. A sloppy play in their own end. O'Reilly's over to get him. The Blues get it to Thomas. Thomas back door. They score! Robert Thomas over to Kairu. Kairou buries it. Power play goal ties the game. 1-1 with 54.5 to play in the first period. 
Flail on the wing, and they can't hold it in. Look out, Scandella lost it. Breakaway, Evangelista shoots and scores. Nashville makes it 2-1 to one on a breakaway goal. Neighbors comes in on Soros. It's new to both of them. Neighbors cuts into the middle of the ice. Deekson shoots and a stick saved by Soros. Over to Forsberg trying to pick a corner. He does. They score. And it's 3-1 Nashville as they get a power play goal with 13-12 to go in the third period. And the Predators shoot and score. Luke Shen through a screen. Puts it to the front of the net. And that thing goes in. I don't believe it was deflected. 12.09 to go. Predators leading 4-1. To the near side, Pareko goes over to Letty. Letty in the front, shot save. Rebound Walker, he scores! What a gritty goal from Nathan Walker. Battle Lazan and Shen, the whole shift. Pulls the Blues to within two with 7.08 to play. Shen to the blue line. Prove to Kessel. Shot on, rebound wide. Shen centers, shooting it. Kapanen denied by Soros. Forsberg blocked it. Plays it up to O'Reilly to the empty net. He scores 5-2 Nashville. Luke Shen has it. He'll drop it off, and the Nashville Predators come to town and punch the Blues in the mouth a bit with a 5-2 win. Steve, this one was close right to the end, but that's the tightness of playoff-style hockey, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Obviously, they scored a couple goals there to take that lead on us, and uh, we just couldn't find enough to, to tie this game up. Steve, a tough one, obviously, but was there a player on your bench that really stood out in a playoff-style game like this? Well, I thought Torpo and Walks were uh, trying to lead that charge in those categories and trying to play the right way and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it, it's tight out there. There's not a lot of room out there. And, um, you know, Nashville played pretty solid as well. So uh, we got to rewrite the script against those guys for sure. What's, uh, what's one thing that you'd like to see cleaned up in a game like this? Well, first of all, the, the transition game. And uh, defensively, I just thought we were sitting back a little bit too much. Uh, there was times we could have ended plays or become a little bit tighter and even make it a little tighter game than it was uh, for us, anyhow, on the without the puck especially. After the game, there were not a lot of positives. Here's what Tory Krug had to say. Yeah, it's deflating. Um, you, know, you come into a third period hoping to win a period and then have a chance to win the game. And uh, obviously we came out a little flat and... Um, didn't get the kill on the one, and, and ultimately it set us too far back. So um, very tough to come out in the third period that way. Tori, you had to feel like that was going to be a team that was going to come out with some desperation. Like, did you just maybe not match what they brought to the table? Or? Yeah, we knew they were obviously um, coming off a tough game and um, probably a message sent by their, their organization, and uh, they came in here and, and they did a good job. That being said, I think you know we lack support all over the ice, and um, you know, whether it was in the D zone, breaking the puck out, or in the offensive zone, we just weren't connected. And um, big games like that, you just can't do it. What do you attribute that to most, just not being connected together like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, we talked about it in between periods, and we still came out, and we weren't there for each other. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, when you get the puck and you look up and you feel like you don't have any support, um, it's tough to play that way. And, and ultimately, um, you know, the other team's going to turn the puck over and, and it's going to come back into your defensive zone. Is that one of the, you know, third periods still a one-shot game? Is that what's more, most frustrating about it because the game was still there for you? Yeah, it is for sure. Benner made the stops that he had to make uh, to give us a chance to, to stay in the game. And uh, ultimately, we, uh, we let him down uh, coming out in the third period. So, um, yeah, it's tough. You have a, a chance to win a period in your, your home building and uh, have a chance to win the game after that. And, and we came out and we just didn't do it.
Jordan Cairo did score a goal, but at the same time, over the course of the hockey game, was moved from the first line onto the second line. He was moved onto the third line, and eventually, even when the Blues had the goalie pulled, Kevin Hayes went out there for the six on five, not Jordan Cairo. Here's what he had to say after he talked with the media. Yeah, timing was off, passing was off. I mean, just wasn't our best game today. Are games like this more frustrating when you see how you can play just a couple nights ago and then you come out and struggle like this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we had a great game last game and then, you know, we come out against a team that's right, right below us in the playoffs and, you know, it's a big game for us and you know, we, just, we just had a bad game, so, yeah, it's tough. I feel like you had opportunities, uh, maybe a little more of a shooter's mindset and just weren't, weren't able to connect as a team. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of chances there in the second, you know, tie the game up or, or take the lead, right? And, you know, we, really, we didn't really capitalize there and, yeah, it kind of stung us. Was the game still there for you guys in the third period, only down 2-1? to one? Is that kind of what's most frustrating about it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we just let them score two goals there, and it's 4-1, and it's, it's a lot tougher to come back 4-1 than 2-1. So. You guys have been good at being a rebound team, I guess. So just go back to the drawing board and get ready for Toronto, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we just got to be ready for next game. You know, next game is a big game. We need these points. Well, let's check in with the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Drew Bannister. I, I didn't feel like we worked away from the puck quick enough. Uh, I thought we were, you know, when our D were, were going back for pucks under pressure that our forwards weren't working back quick enough to help out. And they'd look up and there, there was no one there to make passes to. And, you know, <clears throat> I thought in the second period we spent too much time in the D zone because of that. So was their sk- the skating aspect of the game, was it more Just, evident on their side? Well, I think we, it was more evident on our side that we didn't skate. Right. You know, I think that was that was the biggest problem. Uh, you know, we, we weren't skating. Were there opportunities? It seemed like you had some good opportunities on offense. Maybe you, you know, hesitant to shoot at times. Yeah, yeah, no question. I know we generated thirty-seven shots, but we we passed up probably I don't know five quality chances to shoot the puck. Um, I don't think we got pucks through. To the net, I don't think we generated one one shot on net on the five on four. Um, so, you know, you have those opportunities, the two on ones, you know, penalty shot, um, you know, the the three other power plays that we had, and we didn't generate any shots off it. Like that's that comes back to hurt you. Jake just got in too deep on his penalty. Yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask Jake. I mean, you know, he always has a plan. You know, he has a plan to go in, and usually he's pretty good on those uh, those opportunities and. You know, the goalie made a save. That's up when you're going into the third period. It's a one-goal game, but both, yeah. both the goals you allowed are, I guess, self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, a little bit. We made a bad play, I think, in the second one, but got a bad bounce, too. But I thought we forced to play into a position where, you know, we put our D in a, in a tough position, and then the puck bounces over a stick, and it's a breakaway. But, um, you know, the first goal we turned over, there was no reason to turn the puck over in that area of the ice. Disappointing to see maybe not... You know, it's a two-to-one game, not to see yeah, a bigger push to start the third. Yeah, I mean, I thought we'd have more jump in our legs where, where we were at that point that we hadn't played well. And, you know, if we put together 20 minutes, we have an opportunity to win that hockey game, and we just we didn't do it. It's just another example of uh, how tight this is going to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, every game's important. You know, the next game will be important for us, and we'll have to move past this, and we got to continue to you know, find ways to win hockey games and find wins, ways not to lose hockey games like we did tonight. Well, that's the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Drew Bannister. Let's head up into the booth and get the breakdown with Joe Vitale. There was a back-and-forth sequence. There was chapters and chunks of this game that it was certainly back-and-forth. I think the Nashville Predators took advantage of the opportunities given. And, you know, I think the goaltending for the first time in a long time was a wash. 
Mm-hmm. I think for Bennington, how good he's been. I think UC Soros actually outdueled him tonight, which was the first time a, a goaltender for the Blues was outdueled in a game recently. But he was incredible. A 1-1 game. He made that save on Buchnevich. Uh, incredible saves down the stretch on Kasper Kapanen. They would have got the Blues back within one. Maybe it's a different game at that point. But I think UC Soros was the best player on the ice here tonight, which, again, is unfortunate for the Blues, but it's also a good thing to say because that's how good the Blues goaltenders have been over the last month, month and a half. But at the same time, there are breakdowns in games. No game goes perfect. Marco Scandella takes that puck off the backhand in the second period. it, It trickles to the neutral zone and Evangelis is off to the races, scores that breakaway goal, it happens. Mistakes are going to happen. But do teams take advantage of the mistakes given? That's the key. And tonight, I think that the mistakes that happened, I think the chances that were given were about equal. I think you're looking at a Predators team that simply took advantage of the opportunities given. You had Jake Neighbors there, misses a penalty shot. Multiple two-on-ones missed. Kasperi Kapanen late missed. So many chances to get back in the game, get within the game, get within a goal, and the Blues did not take advantage. And, of course, to me at the end of the night, I think that sums it up for me is that Nashville took full advantage of the opportunity given. It also shows that in a game like this, you need your best players to really be your best players. That That's a secret once you get to the playoffs and all that. they had a. I know he had a goal. They had a tough night with sequences of play in turn of the puck. Jordan Kyra taking off that top line, then the second line eventually put onto the third line, and then eventually with the game on the line on and the, the bench, goalie pulled yeah. on, the bench. on the bench. And there was nowhere else to, to go with him at that point. And that you're seeing at that point, and we have seen this with – we've seen it with Blay. We've seen it with Alexandrov. We saw it with Butch Navich. There's accountability being thrown there by Drew Bannister when you just need to see more. But – that's hard hockey, as you called it, big boy hockey. And somebody like Jordan Kyrie has got to learn to find a way to be effective in that situation because you can't have a coach like we heard at the end of the game talking more about the Toropchenkos and Walkers. You could say they're trying to pull you in, but eventually they got to pull you in. Well, exactly right. I mean, you know, I, I look at a player like Jonathan Marcheseau, and I talked to David Perron about him specifically last year. You know, when Vegas won that, won that cup, it was Jonathan Marshall show that won the Conn Smythe for the, for the MVP for the most valuable player in playoffs. Jonathan Marshall show was a perimeter player coming into the league, a point-munching guy, and in that playoffs and over the last few years in Vegas, he's really found a way to thrive under physical, tough, tight space, nothing available type of games. And that's what makes the difference in playoff hockey. For Jordan Cairo, to me, when you look at his point production, of course, his contract, of course, the success he's had, the next step, and there's always one more step to take, the next step for him is to how do you show up and thrive in games like this? I said in the first period, I felt it too. This was a big boy game. You felt that the space was tight. There wasn't a lot defensively. Nashville just got embarrassed last game, 9-2. to two. You knew they were going to be good. They were hard on the forecheck. They were, they were blocking shots. This was a playoff, I even said game one, round one style of game. The emotion was there. And I think for Cairo, you know you're going to get it from him in a Toronto game in December. You know, you, you know you're going to get it from him in a Columbus game in Columbus or Chicago game here on home ice on a Saturday night in March. But these type of games, these are the ones where those elite players, they go from excellent to elite. 
they show up and they find a way to make something happen in the game. And Drew Bannister did not see enough. Let's just be real. Fact's a fact and a spade's a spade. Late in that game, down by two, they need a goal to get themselves some life. And he pulls him off and he puts out Kevin Hayes there on an offensive zone faceoff with leaving out Thomas. It wasn't an exhaustion thing. It right. wasn't a con- an endurance thing. It wasn't a conditioning thing. Everyone else stayed out there. But Kevin Hayes, of course, goes out on the ice and yanks off Jordan Cairo. I get that it's a left-handed faceoff dot in the offensive zone. You want Kevin Hayes out there. But you can pull anyone else off. You don't have to pull off Cairo. You can pull anyone else off. And he pulled off Cairo. So to me... That was enough to say that this head coach has got a good wherewithal and observance that Cairo has been losing some battles in nights like tonight. Board battles, you know, tough on battles, not jumping in on those two-on-ones, not getting to the net front, enough to pull them off on a moment like this. So, again, you get a goal, five-on-three for Cairo. That's the good news. But there is another level of big boy board hockey, tough at the front, that they're still needing out of Jordan Cairo curves, and I think that that's where – the growth still can be for number twenty-five. All right, uh, the only other play really to talk about, and this one's a this one's such a tough one. You, you're Sammy Blay. You're trying to get back in the lineup. You're in and out of the lineup. You've been a healthy scratch. That penalty ended up being a bit of a backbreaker yeah. the way it worked out, but it was so close. He played the body. It was a heck of a great hit, but it was an interference call as he played the body, not the puck, and the puck had already gone by. Uh, that's a and, and you've talked about this from your own experiences. Those those can be very difficult lines to walk, but ones where you still have to find a way to walk it. It's tough to play the game on a short leash, and that's what Sammy Blay is doing. That's what Nikita Alexandrov is doing. You know what? A player that's living on a short leaf but finding success is Nathan Walker on the flip side, but all these players are playing on a short leash. And What I mean by that is this. You're only playing seven, eight, nine, ten minutes a night, fourth-line minutes, minimal minutes, minimal responsibility, some nights for Sammy Blay, you're playing. Some nights you're up top. Same thing for Nikita Alexandrov, who took a bad penalty a couple of games ago as well. The problem is you want to go out there. You're back in the lineup. You want to be a factor. You want to get a jump. You want to find some confidence. So you're just like, ding, 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 ding. You're like an energizer bunny, just nonstop. But you also have to remember to bring that intelligence. You have to be smart. You have to be smart about the right time of the game. And I think that Sammy Blay's emotions, his speed, and him just wanting to make a difference, and quite frankly, his care factor, just led him to trouble in the third period as he takes out Lazan before he collides with the puck. It is an interference call. Timing-wise, he lined him up perfectly. It was a great hit, but just short of the puck, so it is interference. So he finds himself in the box. It's it's a horrible feeling for a fourth liner. I've been there before. You just come back into the lineup. You want to make a difference on home ice against the Predators, a division rival, at a 4 o'clock game on a Saturday evening. <laughs> it, everything lines up perfectly for you. If he makes contact with a puck, you line him up. Maybe it's a turnover, ends up in the back of the net. That's what you're thinking. But the emotion certainly got the best of them there. It is a penalty, and the National Predators curves take advantage there on the power play, and they never look back from that point. So my, my heart goes out to him. I feel so bad for him because I've been in that spot before. But you look at players like him, Nathan Walker, Torpchenko, Steve Ott mentioned those two guys specifically. Yeah. You love that he's mentioning third, fourth-line player wingers. You do. But at the same time, you need more Thomases. You need more Kairos. You need more Buchnevichs. And this isn't saying that Thomas hasn't been there. He was a number one star just a couple nights ago. I'm not. This isn't a dig at Thomas. Right. But it's those players like Buchnevich and Kevin Hayes and Brandon Saad making a yep. big block late and getting a goal late. Whatever that is, 
you need more consistency with those top nine guys, and it can't always be that, hey, we really liked our fourth-line guys here tonight, if you want to find success on a consistent basis this time of the year. All right, what do you got for the Bud Light three stars and the Joe Vitale work boots? I got Nathan Walker here at number three. I got Evangelista. He had that go-ahead huge goal in the second period for the Predators. And I got UC Sorrows as the number one star. I think he was the best player on the ice here tonight. And I'm going to go with Torbchenko, physical, drawn penalties, drawn attention. He gets my work boots here. All right, Joe, thank you very much. Time to get Tim Woodburn's thoughts on yesterday's game as the Blues fell to the Nashville Predators by a score of 5-2. to two. Well, Chris, the final score of this game was not indicative, in my opinion, of how the game went. I thought the Blues outplayed them. They had all the momentum in the world. They outplayed them badly in the second period. They're down 2-1. to one. They get a penalty shot for Jake Neighbors. He didn't really make much of a move, and after that, that sort of seemed to deflate the Blues and it was all over with. It's time to start scoreboard watching all-star game's over los angeles wins a game today in which a defenseman comes out of the penalty box in overtime gets an outlet pass and scores his first career goal in boston for la to get two points this was a big two points for nashville because the blues got none and we're gonna have to start watching the la kings the nashville predators of the world and other teams as well as the blues come down the stretch here and i thought they played good today bennington was very good in net and the stick was on <laughs> the puck was on robert thomas's stick the whole game he just couldn't quite get that timing right with Kyrie in this game other than the power play goal which was five on three but uh I, I like mostly of what i saw today we just didn't get the bounces for curbside reaction this is tim woodburn all right tim thank you very much you know i already talked about jake neighbors a little bit but when you look at the game yesterday one of the things that jumps off the page is some of the veteran players in the end, it's the St. Louis Blues, who currently hold that second wildcard spot and have a really tough schedule in terms of the quality of opponents coming up, are going to hold on to that spot, maybe grow a lead, maybe give themselves a cushion, rebuild what they lost in that game, giving up the two points to Nashville yesterday. You can talk young players, you can talk transition all you want. It's still going to come down to veteran players and being the best that they can be. The Blues need more production out of their top nine. More consistent production, whether it be from Kevin Hayes, Kasperi Kapanen, Brandon Saad, Braden Shen, other guys. It's going to be spread around. The one thing that you know is this is a team, once again, built that's the sum of its parts. There's no real superstar on this team. The St. Louis Blues have three guys with 19 goals trying to get to 20. They've got three defensemen with 20 or more points. It is the sum of its parts that makes the Blues a good thing. But to do that and to be successful consistently, they've already shown how to do it. You've got to get production from a good amount of guys. And when guys fall off the production page too much, it's hard to get that done. If Kasperi Kapanen is getting more opportunities in the top six, he proved last year that he can be more offensive-minded, that he can produce offensively. He had a spectacular scoring chance in the game yesterday. Unfortunately, was robbed on a great save by UC Soros. But it's those kind of chances, and if they start going in, all of a sudden that spreading of the wealth from guys like Kasperi Kapanen and other guys can make a huge difference. So you can look at a bunch of different things. You can look at systems. You can look at support on the ice, as guys were talking about after yesterday's game. In the end, sometimes it comes down to just capitalizing on chances, execution on the 2-on-1s, execution on breakaways, scoring on the power play after they had scored the 5-on-3 goal. But in the end, just getting more consistent regular production from some other key guys is going to go a huge way 
for this hockey team down the stretch, 28 games to go in the regular season, and the Blues still in a playoff spot. Thanks for tuning in to Curbside Reaction, your next day postgame podcast featuring everything St. Louis Blues. Next up for the Blues, the Maple Leafs. Blues get another crack at them. It's going to be Monday afternoon at 12 noon on President's Day, and we'll get another Curbside Reaction for you after that game as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, and on Monday afternoon, we will see you at the rink.